Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Sarah, how are you? How has your week been going? Good, good. The sun is out today in Michigan, so we are having a better day here. Awesome. I am ready for summer. I hope you all are too. <laughs> Definitely. So it is supposed to rain all weekend here, at least in the Grand Rapids area. So not good. No, that's no good. <laughs> so we have today on the line with us, Sarah Smith from Mercantile Bank. And Sarah um, was recently uh, promoted to a new position. Um, and Sarah, what is your new title? So starting about next month, I will be the uh, engagement and learning director for the bank. So I am leaving the mortgage industry. So this may be my last, my last hurrah in my mortgage. Last year I'm mortgage. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but unfortunately, probably not my or my, one of my last uh, TMC conferences was Chicago, unfortunately, which was super fun. Well, that is a bummer. We'll have to sneak you in yeah. um, at, a, <laughs> at a later date. So hey babe. Hey, Faith, can you hear us? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I'm a little bit there, girl. Sorry about that, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I am having a week of te some technology-related issues related to Teams, and it apparently has even impacted my ability to have sound in Zoom. So <laughs> I apologize, but thank you for joining Sarah, I don't know if they introduced you already. Did Ashley already introduce you um, to the crew here so that they know who you are? Yeah, we talked about the future, but I am currently the mortgage operations manager for Mercantile Bank. Yes, and we are so happy to have you with us today. I know we convinced you to do this with us. <laughs> and for the first time ever, we have some technology issues um, mm -hmm. on the front end of this. So I apologize for that. Um, thought we would kind of like you want to, um, that's who you are. You want to say a few words just about Mercantile? Yeah. So Mercantile Bank is based in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our headquarters are here uh, where I am located. We are an asset side, so about $4.9 billion with about 45 banking offices. Recently, we have expanded, or I would say recently, a couple of years ago into the Ohio market with a production office in Cincinnati. And have a couple lenders uh, on the mortgage side down in the Cleveland um, and uh, all over Ohio. So super happy for that and thankful for uh, the TMC message boards for connecting me plenty of times with servicing and other questions uh, related to our expansion down there. So it's been great uh, to have TMC on board as we uh, have some really basic questions that have been super helpful to get answered. Well, that's awesome. Glad that uh, the team could help. Because um, that's what we're here for. Yeah, so that's been awesome. let's get started a little bit today. I thought, you know, we're rolling into the weekend that is like Mother's Day weekend. So I thought we would kind of get started um, with that approaching, talking about an article that I read that was in Forbes this last week. For those of you that want to read it, you should, um, because it has um, some really great information about the people that are leading the government agencies um, that oversee primarily everything related to the housing market. And for the first time ever, it's four women. Um, amazing. I don't know. You, I, I'm sure you've seen that, but it's Marsha Fudge, Sandra Thompson, who has been a great um, supporter of TMC, 
and was even at one of our conferences. Um, For Ginny May, it's Alana McCargo, who happens to be a friend of one of our owners um, at TMC, and Julia Gordon, who, if you all missed it, you missed the best um, 12 days of TMC uh, session that we had where she spoke, and it was the highest rated session that we've ever had. So how do you feel about that for women? I, I think it's really exciting. And I think also just, as you said, as a, a participant in different events and things, I think the accessibility of them has been impressive as they agree to, you know, record the videos even for the article and, and different things across the industry. I think it's great to be, you know, relatable. You know, you talked about, you know, Mother's Day and all of that great stuff. Um, but just, I don't know, it, it, if there's a warm fuzzy about it, a warm heart, I think that's a great way to put it. And they're just, you know, sort of no, no-nonsense ladies taking charge of a bunch of very different important areas. So that to me has been very impressive and great role models for people to look up to definitely in the, you know, from the young lady side or the older lady side. Now, I guess I am. <laughs> I'll take that one too. I think yeah, yeah. Impressive even from the older lady side, <laughs> the young lady side, I'll take the old lady side. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, in looking at that, I mean, they're in at a time where our industry is under a little bit of stress. Um, for $45.3 trillion market. And um, the one thing that we have heard, which we'd love comments from anybody um, also um, in the audience. So give us some chat out there. They have seemed like they legitimately want feedback. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think you see that, like you said, at the panels and different discussions they're a part of, you know, as they answer questions, you can see that they're super passionate about it. Um, you throw out some, you know, different statistics for us, but whether it's housing or rentals, you know, I think that they take a great interest in it and show compassion and and are actively doing things to make it a better either market for buying or in some cases renting. So that's been awesome to see. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Um, And like I said, they've been highly participative in some of our stuff, which Mm -hmm. um, has just been really great. um, And, and welcome. I think everybody in the industry kind of needs to be heard, especially when it's a hard time and wants to be heard. Um, And so I think that that's great that they have definitely brought that in. And I think made a lot of people feel a lot more comfortable about what is going on. Um, In the news this week also was for FHA borrowers can now get a 40-year mortgage modification. something that was implemented, but share with me if you've had any experience with that. Yeah, we don't generally service FHA loans here. We do a lot of modifications for the Freddie and Fannie space, but, you know, reaching into some of the research on it, um, it it really cements some of the earlier points. If you you dipped into the articles about the ladies and some of the initiatives for them, you know, a lot of it talked about and in, in some of the comment, if you read the FHA ruling for it, just talked about the benefits of the 40-year modifications, helping borrowers build wealth through homeownership, which I think is a lot of our, our goals here. And whether that's, you know, keeping people in the houses longer as a, a servicer at Mercantile, I think that's, you know, something that was brought up even, you know, at the MBA servicing conference I went to in Orlando that some folks might have been at. But if you think about it, the goal of a servicing department, hopefully in a loss med department, is to keep someone in the home. And if you can do that with a 40-year modification, I don't think that's that's a bad idea. 
Um, a commenter said that borrower's credit is harmed by a foreclosure and often preventing foreclosed borrowers from regaining homeownership in the future. So whilst to some it may seem, you know, a little bit crazy to go 40 years on a mod, I think it makes great sense if you're trying to allow people to retain their homes. Um, one thing also is I was, you know, doing some research for the, the podcast today. Um, you know, just a quick Google search will pull up some of the rules about the 40-year mods. And what I found really interesting and a great perspective when you're thinking about some of the, the guidance changes is to read the comments. I think they said they had, you know, 20-something comments on this that were provided and it, there was reactions to it. Um, again, I talked about, you know, building generational wealth was one of them. Long-term wealth, um, a shorter loan term allows for quicker wealth accumulation, all of that good stuff. And of course, you know, a, a bit of a lower house payment, which, you know, most people think is the primary goal in, in some cases of a modification. But I don't, you know, I very pro <laughs> keeping people in homes as we all should be uh, in this industry. Absolutely. The information that I read, um, it seemed like it was geared towards helping people stay in homes, yes. people that were on like that brink of possibly having to give up their home, but then they go into even higher price rental, right. rental properties and doesn't make any sense. I hadn't even thought through the fact the impact to their credit, which is a huge, right. huge one for some of these individuals that have struggled to get into the home in the first place, right? Right, right. right. Um, the yeah. other thing that I um, kind of came across reducing talking about that is um, the goal is to reduce their mortgage payment by 25%, mm -hmm. um, which it should do. But with rising interest rates, it's probably, you know, a little bit less than that. But mm -hmm. who would want to reduce their mortgage payment by 25% if you were struggling? I mean, it's got to be one of the largest bills that anybody pays uh, right. in a month. Um, the other thing that I just didn't, I didn't think about because I was focused on the people getting the actual loans, but it also changes um, to keep somebody in a home. It has such a positive impact on the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. by helping people get that 40 year, stay in it, um, you don't have the negative impact in a neighborhood potentially of a foreclosure for everybody else that may be struggling to stay in the neighborhood as well. Right, right. And as someone who hasn't done too much in the loss mitigation and foreclosure space, you know, I know just enough to be relatively dangerous that it takes a lot of time and effort to go through a foreclosure. You know, there's the required inspections, there's the required mailings and, you know, attorney's fees and things. And it seems, you know, pretty simple maybe to my <laughs> my my small brain here that you know if you can keep someone in the home even if it takes longer to pay off the banks are still making some interest on it you're helping a family stay in a home you're not putting someone else back in the rental market and you're you know like you said you're keeping the you know the neighborhood hopefully with a steady homeowner in there uh, continually yeah yeah agree completely i think that is well for me at my age a 40 year mortgage sounds like an awful mm -hmm. thing but so it's like we, I think we, in times like these, we have to kind of go into things with it's not necessarily permanent. Things are not necessarily permanent. Things yep. are going to change. Um, you're going to be able to change things. So, um, I think that, um, that is great, um, as far as keeping people where they should be in mm -hmm. their home. So, um, Wednesday, this last Wednesday, of course, we got another 25 um, basis point increase. In rates, no surprise to anybody. Don't know as we need to talk about that a lot. Um, <laughs> one thing that um, that that really um, stuck out to me was the fact that um, the language was different. 
in this instance. And I think it was Kevin Peranio. I could be wrong. Um, but someone that's within our TMC family that I listen to their um, podcast quite frequently, um, I think he pointed out um, the fact that there was a rate, it went up, but what was omitted was there was the statement of additional, some additional policy firming may be needed that was left out mm-hmm. of this statement. So I'm not going to ask you to predict, but um, you know, is that an indicator at all that we're kind of like done mm-hmm. and and over with that? I think that's what people are kind of speculating on a little bit this week. Right. Is vague or omitted language, you know, better or worse for people's minds <laughs> and and their predictions and, and all of that. So yeah, I would totally agree that was an interesting way to phrase or not phrase something. Yeah. So we can now speculate for a little <laughs> while while that that is going on. Um it was a tenth increase in 14 months for anybody that's that's counting. Um, <laughs> I, don't that, I don't think that's surprising to. I don't think that there's that's um, surprising to anybody. Um, one of the other things that came out last week, which I think is really interesting, in, related to AI. Oh so yeah. AI is the big term for the year, I think. Um, and I'm not quite sure if there was something behind this, so you'll have to share if you know that um, a statement was made by four federal agencies this last week that there is no AI exception to the laws on the books yep. um, related to a- any. You have any insight into why? Yeah. So this is curious. So I actually reached out to my compliance department on this because we were on a. a a legal seminar the other day about the cloud and, you know, AI and all of this stuff. So I think a lot of it comes down to the algorithms uh, with fair lending decision-making and looking at some of the adverse action models. You know, Greg B requires a creditor to provide the list of reasons for adverse action and requires the list to be specific and indicate the reasons for the adverse action. So the commentary just seems to indicate, you know, obviously we we wouldn't want to use, you know, robots or AI, whatever we're going to call it, you know, in the future for, you know, many things, obviously, but I think it's just the CFPB reiterating the opinions that, you know, you can't use AI as an excuse, basically, is how I, is how I read this. You know, the federal consumer financial protection laws and requirements should be enforced regardless of technology used by creditors. Um, Just reading some of the press release that, for example, ECOA does not permit creditors to use technology that prevents them from providing specific and accurate reasons for adverse action. So creditors' use of complex algorithms should not limit the enforcement of ECOA or other federal consumer financial protection laws. And then also it makes super common sense to me that creditors can't justify non-compliance with ECOA based on the mere fact that technology they use to evaluate credit applications is too complicated or too opaque or no one understands AI and, you know, the the mortgage (laughs) compliance space and that creditors who are using these complex algorithms, including AI or machine learning technologies, there's no exception to to breaking the law. You know, you can't be unfair just because, you know, you know, a robot did it or, you know, AI did it for you or something like that. So just making sure that people understand that, that, you know, you can't, you know, that the dog's not eating your homework, the AI isn't doing your adverse actions wrong it's still the responsibility of the financial institutions to do it right and don't try to, you know, play stupid, I guess, is a, is a way to put it. So, yeah. So I do have a, a thought on that, Faith. <laughs> oh, 
said. Well said. I was using Mercantile Bank Compliance Department for hooking me up with actually really interesting articles. And then it went a little bit, and I can share these with you too. She sent me some great research um, just about, you, you know, the fair lending and, you know, this. And it got in, one of the articles got into a little bit about Facebook getting in trouble for targeted marketing years ago. And, you know, all of the, the hullabaloo with um, targeted marketing and all of that stuff with AI and just being extra careful and making sure that you're um, all of that's being under the watchful eye of your compliance department. We're very lucky. We have a great team here, very connected. I told them I was going to be on the podcast. She sent me articles. So it was a great relationship. But make sure you're talking if you're the one sending out the adverse action notices um, that, or doing anything with fair lending that you are up on the, the press release and, and some of the commentary on it. Yeah. I was thinking for some reason that that was going to tie back into trigger leads. Um, oh, everything ties to trigger leads. That was where my mind initially went when I, when I read that, it's like, oh, the trigger leads have gotten a lot of great press and now we get this statement. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure there's certainly a way to tie it, especially if your trigger leads are, you know, only triggering or targeting, you know, if you're doing any sort of, you know, minimize scope on that i'd yeah, say you slice and dice yeah yeah mm-hmm. i'm sure i'm sure it does come into play there as well definitely um, so also in the news we always like to talk about young people um in housing are entering housing gaining housing and i was reading a, a redfin report that 30 percent of individuals who are 25 years old owned a home in 2022 yeah. i thought that Pretty high. I did you think it was high? I thought it was really high, really high. Me too. Um, and and that did also exceed home ownership rates for previous generations at that age. So I again, I thought that was high as well. Right. Um, Twenty eight percent of millennials, twenty seven percent of Gen X own their homes at age twenty five. Boomers. It says had a homeownership rate of 32%. But I thought that was in talking about, you know, kind of, you know, a new age of people coming into our industry. I thought that was really interesting. Right. Um, The other thing um, that, um, so I like to watch people within our network and the things that they post, obviously. Keeps me in tune of what they're doing. So Scott Milner um, did a really great video a couple of days ago. Shout out to Scott Milner at um, U.S. Mortgage Corp. Um, that his whole video started by a statistic that he had found related to um, to young people. It was high school students, actually. So, you know, next generation even coming in after that. And it asked them what they wanted to be when they grow up, when they grew up. Anybody on this call have any guesses? I mean, share with us in the chat guesses on what one out of four high school students wanted to be when they grew up. Not real estate agents, not a realtor. Um, I wish it was appraisers. (laughs) (laughs) Can we pick and choose? Oh, the other thing that it should be maybe is... um, what was I reading that there was a shortage of, oh, 203K, which we'll talk about next, 203K in that process. Maybe they could be someone that goes in there. A person that designs online gaming, great, um, great thing. Some of you are right. A number of you are in tune with everything that's going on. Um, 
Uh, Phil, yes, you are right. Influencers, one out of four. People in high school plan for their um, career to be an influencer. That was what their goal was. Bernard, Bernard Nasuli, Chinese students wanted to be astronauts. U.S. students wanted to be influencers. There you go. Um, focus on education. Um, but yeah, so influencers was the answer. And so, you know, what um, Scott was speaking of when um, in this thing was, how do you then, if that is their focus, then how do you gain their attention? Well, if they want to be influencers, who are they going to go to for knowledge? Other influencers, social right. media, um, all of those types of things. So um, any feedback or thoughts related to to just kind of that statistic and, you know, the next generation, not only coming into our space, but being homeowners as well. I- I guess I'm not surprised. An interesting fact is I we were talking to my niece who's 12 about her dream vacation. And her dream vacation was to go to Los Angeles to look for YouTube stars, which I thought was incredibly bizarre. I don't know if she thinks that these influencers are on every corner and maybe they are, haven't been to LA since influencers were a thing. Um, but I, I don't think it's surprising. I also am was surprised in, you know, six months back, maybe it was, or, you know, a little more than that. Um, we heard about the the 2-1 buy-down or the temporary buy-down being a popular TikTok topic, which is something that seems strange to me. And even myself, as I'm scrolling through, you know, Facebook Reels, because I'm 41 years old and not TikTok necessarily, but it seems like there's a lot of a lot of information out there from influencers. And if they make it look one easy, they make it look like you can, you know, lounge at home a bit more and not have to go into an office and, and work a standard nine to five. And I think for a lot of young people, that's probably pretty appealing, especially coming off a couple years of, you know, remote schooling or COVID schooling. Um, I think it's definitely different than when I was growing up. You know, I'm not going to say I wanted to be an astronaut, but um, I certainly wouldn't even have known what an influencer was. But not surprising, but also maybe maybe a good thing that some of this info on, you know, topics like saving and, and mortgage lending is being shared on the TikTok platforms. I don't think it's a bad thing as long as it's reliable information um, and, you know, legitimate financial institutions get out there and can give appropriate information and not just rely on maybe someone without an NMLS number to be teaching them about some mortgage basics. Even if not mortgage, financial soundness, financial soundness is like such a great thing. And of course, you know, if someone's relatable to you in some way, you're probably going to listen. Right. A little bit differently. I mean, I kind of equate it to being a parent and giving an answer and somebody else can give the same answer, but if they're more relatable to your child, they're going to listen to it versus you're just their parent. They're not going to necessarily listen to you. So I thought that was great. I thought it was good kind of like food for thought and thinking Mm -hmm. about what is your marketing plan? Right. I mean, where are you sharing things? How are you trying to attract people Not only for mortgages, but maybe into your organization, Definitely, Um, you know, kind of in all of those things. I just thought it was just a great way to look at something um, with with a different statistic. I think it's it's telling also that if 30% of 25-year-olds own homes, where are they getting their information? I'm I'm probably guessing they're not walking into their local brick and mortar asking to sit down to, to talk through paperwork, which... 
was something I did as a, you know, a 25 year old, but that was a long time ago now. So, but times, times are changing. Yeah. Times are changing. And it's just kind of an interesting way to like rethink things when, you know, when you've been in the industry for a long period of time and are used to things being a certain way, I think, you know, we need to, as fresh people come in, hopefully they'll share those perspectives that they have with others. But I just thought it was um, an interesting way to kind of look at things. So Scott Miller, thank you for that thought process. It triggered all kinds of other um, thoughts going on in my mind. And um, so the other thing that we just mentioned, you wanted appraisers. I said, how about FHA um, 203K consultant (laughs) in the news this week, which I guess I was kind of surprised by and maybe shouldn't have been. Um, But Lack of 203K in a time where maybe people are trying to stay in their home. They've got a low interest rate. They're not wanting to move, but they're wanting to make some modifications to their home. 203Ks are some things that happen more at at times like these. Um, But lack looking for people, um, Mm -hmm. lack of consultants. Had you heard this at all in the industry? And. I don't pay too much attention to that space. We do have a, a renovation loan, a, a second lien program that's been pretty popular because people have those first liens they want to protect. Um, but, you know, as people want to stay in their homes longer because they do have those great first mortgage rates if they refinance through, you know, some of the COVID stuff, I think it makes sense. But I also think part of the um, article that you shared was that, you know, we need to find ways to make it a little more accessible. Even, you know, for the past 20 something years I've been in this, the 203K has been just a very um, scary uh, program, I think, for a lot of people. I know when I was reading the article, Jim was quoted in it, um, which was great to see his perspective on some of this stuff. But if you don't, you know, if you don't have an expert that does it, I think that's Maybe one of the detriments also that not all financial institutions or brokers do them and then couple that with the fact that it's hard to do them and find the the um, folks to, you know, do the actual inspections and things. I think that's just a compounded problem. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It is very similar to I know um, I was in the appraisal space for 25 years and um I know when I left that space, which has been a while ago now, like the average age of an appraiser was 58 years old. Yeah. That's average age. Um, So that meant that there were many that were obviously older than that. It seems like this is a very, very similar situation Mm -hmm. um, that maybe we should, you know, begin to rethink how we change that process or attract younger people Mm -hmm. into our, you know, it's time to get some of the new guard um, in place in some of these um, processes. So, um, just thoughts for the week. And I can't believe it, but we're already at the bottom of the hour. So you survived. We, we knew that you would. <laughs> we knew that you would, even with a little bit of a rough start. We appreciate you and all that you do within our TMC family. We love having you. You are for anybody who hasn't met Sarah yet. She is like the funnest person to be around in mortgage. And so we always love that when we find that good, positive person who loves to share and talk with people and appreciate all of you joining us today. So next week, back at the same time, same place. Um, Thank you for joining us today and look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thanks, everyone. Have a good afternoon. Bye. 
For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.